Hey everybody, it's Miss Georgia USA 2017, Deanna Johnson, and you're listening to Life After the Crown with Tim Tiano. Hey everybody, welcome to the Life After the Crown podcast, where each episode I bring you useful interviews with former pageant contestants, title holders, and women of influence who are now succeeding across many different industries in the real world. My name is Tim Tialdo, lifestyle entrepreneur, pageant host, author, and quite honestly, somebody who just wants to help you become a better person overall. Now, if pageant life is over for you, or it soon could be, and you're wondering, well, what do I do now, or what's next? This podcast is designed to help make the transition to real life and the school of hard knocks a little bit easier for you to handle. So if this is your first time listening, thanks for tuning in. We're glad you're with us today. Let's get started. My guest today was Miss Georgia USA 2017 and was featured on season eight of The Voice. She had two songs appear on the Billboard Hot Christian Songs chart in her year following the appearance on The Voice, and she performed in festivals around Georgia with a four-piece country rock band playing covers of some popular songs. In high school, she was an incredible athlete. Listen to this. Her basketball team won two state championships, her volleyball team won a state championship, and she was voted MVP of her team's her senior year. And if that's not enough, her softball team also won a state title and the national championship in 2012. I would call that an accomplished high school athletic career. Now, the Georgia State House of Representatives and the Georgia Senate added resolutions to recognize Deanna Johnson's achievements, so I would call her a winner in so many different ways. Deanna Johnson, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, my gosh, you're totally accomplished in sports in high school. That's incredible. I mean, were you just naturally gifted or were you just part of some great teams? I think, honestly, my dad push sports when we were very, very young. And I think that it was just kind of part of like my environment. It was just something that I was kind of raised in. We all, my entire family, I have seven cousins that live right next to me and then three other cousins. And all the girls and all the guys were all athletes. We all loved, loved sports. So what was your favorite? So you've got basketball, volleyball, and softball that you won state championships in. Which would, if you had to pick one, which would it be? Oh, my gosh. Volleyball, hands down. It was it was my absolute favorite. It was just so competitive. Our team was so – we were so in, in, in tune with one another. I just loved that sport. Now, did you have any offers for scholarships to colleges or anything? No, I didn't. I went straight to – it was a private Christian school, mm-hmm. and then I went straight to a smaller college before I decided to audition for that show, The Voice. So I didn't really, I didn't even go to college right out of high school. But That's I kind of regret that. I really wish that I would have pushed for that a little bit more. What position did you play in volleyball, by the way? I was a striker. Very nice. Very nice. Well, cool. Congratulations on your, uh, let's see, four state championships. Incredible. Thank you. <laughs> so I was reading a little bit about your journey, and I saw that uh, during high school, <laughs> Uh, I guess you sang in church a lot, and you also sang at rodeos. And I guess someone saw you and said, hey, you should audition for The Voice. So talk about that. Yeah. I Actually, um, there was a lady in, in church who showed up to church, and she's one of my mom's best friends. And she was like, I signed her up online, and she has to go to the audition because I've already signed her up. <laughs> nice. And I ended up going to the audition. And I think what a lot of people don't know is, is the first time that I auditioned for The Voice, I was about 16, and I made it through all the preliminary parts of the competition that are not filmed. Mm-hmm. And the first part that is filmed, the blind auditions, I didn't make it the first time. And I went home, and I, I kind of quit singing for a little while. And it was about a year later that I got a call from like one of the producers that was like, you should really come back. And I ended up, after like much 
stress over the decision because it was like heartbreaking to you know go all the way up there and get so excited about what could possibly happen and then no chairs turned the first time so it took like a whole lot of courage for me to go back but I ended up going back and and so glad I did I turned four chairs and then made it to top eight and it's honestly like one of the most amazing things I've ever done in my life. Well, it's a super cool story, and I, I, apparently the voice has a name for somebody like you. They refer to you as a second-chance artist, so basically a singer who auditions for one season and, and doesn't make the finals but then comes back and, and does it again. So, you know, look, I think most people in your position, after that first time, they would have given up. What motivated you to say, you know what, I'm going back again? I think it was honestly, it was plum fear. It was fear that I would regret it in the future, that I would have this amazing opportunity and that I would be too scared of failing to do it. It was just honestly the fear, like, I'm going to regret this. I, I'm terrified of doing this, but I'm more terrified of, of not doing it and just looking back and being like, man, I really wish I would have. Well, I know you had different judges on both times around. I think the first time it was, uh, I think it was like CeeLo Green and, and maybe maybe Blake Shelton, um, and they didn't pass you through. What do you think it was the first time around that maybe they just didn't see at the time? Yeah, I think I was a lot younger. The, the time I went back, it was about maybe two, maybe two or three years later. Mm -hmm. So my voice had matured. The song that I sang the first time was just way out of my range. I think just my voice maturing and, and my overall maturity, I think you can hear that in somebody's music. So I don't know what it was the second time that made them turn, but I'm, I'm glad they did. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have a, it sounds like an alto voice, yes? Oh, yeah. Very, very deep, very low. <laughs> So, yeah. Do they compare you to, to to any other singers in the past? I mean, I, I would imagine you, that type of voice doesn't you know come along every you know, all the time. So I would imagine you have some comparisons to maybe some former popular artists. I'm not sure. I think I've heard from other people that I, I sound like Cher when I sing, which is a huge compliment. <laughs> yeah, I, it is. is I, I love her, but. Yeah, I've heard Cher, and then I was like listening back. I was like, you know, we kind of do have the same inflections in our voice, so it, it's interesting. But there's never really been anybody who's like, you definitely sound like this this person in particular, except for I've heard Cher a good bit. Well, so you, you auditioned the first time, I think it was season five, and you didn't make it, and then the next time you go back for season eight. Now, as you said, you've turned all four chairs this time, and you, you, you got on. Uh, and your your judges or your, your coaches at that time were uh, Adam Levine, Christina Aguilera, Blake Shelton, and Pharrell Williams. You chose mm -hmm. Adam Levine. Why? Oh, my gosh. I don't know. Adam was actually one of the last ones. He was the last one to turn. He turned at the exact last second. I don't know. I, I Honestly, the whole time I was up there, I was like, man, if I had all my options, if, if every single person turned, I'm going to pick Blake. I know I'm going to pick Blake. And I don't know, just in the moment, it just felt right to go with Adam. And I think I made the right decision because Adam was very involved. Adam really helped to kind of develop the artist, whereas I think some of the other coaches were a lot more like laid back and they kind of let you present what songs you wanted to do. And Adam was very, very involved and very helpful in kind of trying to figure out what artist he thought that I should be because I had no idea coming in. I had hardly any experience. The only experience I really had was at church. I didn't realize how, how big it was to kind of brand yourself and like market yourself. Like a lot of those artists had done where they'd been singing for years and years and they had like set lists of like 300 songs. And I was like, I got five good ones. <laughs> Let me just sing these five good ones over and over again. Because I, 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 I had no idea what I was getting into. And I was only 18 at the time. So I think, I think it was a really good choice. So as you got to work with Adam Levine, and that, you know, that's a dream for most people. 
what were some things or maybe just one or two things that he taught you that you probably wouldn't have learned otherwise? I think when I came on the show, too, I was very, very timid. I was very shy. I was extremely worried about, well, I hope this sounds good. I hope this looks good. I, I, I was very uh, fixated on other people's opinion that I had a really hard time enjoying it. And it was something that he just kept reiterating. was like, just, just chill out. Just calm down. Just do your own thing. Like, you don't have to. It doesn't have to be perfect every single time. He kind of really pushed that whole, you know, self-acceptance thing. He was very, very, very helpful. As I mentioned to you before we were uh, jumped on the on the call here, um, and I, I actually didn't know you didn't know this. You had two songs that appeared on the Billboard Hot Christian Songs chart. One was uh, Down to the River and Pray. It reached number five on the Billboard charts. And then Oceans, which is a, I love that song from church, reached number 14. Mm-hmm. Uh, how cool is that to know that you were on the Billboard charts? That's awesome. I really, um, really had no idea. I didn't know. Uh, you told me that's really, really cool. I remember, I want to think that they had done, have recorded all the artist songs and been putting on iTunes on that show since the beginning. But it was the beginning of that, that season that I was on, season eight, was the first time that they counted those iTunes downloads mm-hmm. as a vote. Like if people downloaded your song, it was almost... That, that was like a vote towards you staying um, for next week. So I remember like all of the artists who would always get up on, on iTunes, like, where are we at on the charts? Like, am I up there at least? So I do remember that. But I don't remember ever being, I don't remember it being the, um, the top thing on like a specific like, Christian artist thing. That's really, really cool. I really, I'm really proud of that. I'm going to have to tell everybody that. Now. Yeah, well, you have to you Google it and screenshot it so you, so you have proof of it. Oh, yeah. I'll just Google it. So I'm, I'm interested to know, um, you know, as somebody who has a great voice, who has a great look, um, obviously, you know, I had a chance to be on The Voice. There's The Voice, there's American Idol, and there used to be a show called Nashville Star. Why did The Voice stick mm-hmm. out to you among the others as the one that you wanted to try and compete on? I think, you know, as a family, we had watched The Voice together. So it was kind of that show that we really enjoyed. But I think, too, um, you know, not knocking any other show, but The Voice, straight off the bat, they didn't have any audition period where it was about making fun of any artist. I mean, they even sat us down. We were having the meetings before the tapings, and they were like, listen, we are about you guys. We want to promote you guys. We want you all to leave here having careers, and we're not here to put anybody down. They never at any point with anybody tried to make a joke out of anybody. They were all about the artistry, and I really respected that. And it made it a safe, kind of a safe place. So I'm really glad that I chose that show because of that. They were just very, they were very about the artistry. And that was, and that was really awesome. So be honest with me. When you first auditioned, what did you think ultimately mm-hmm. was going to happen? What, what was your vision and dream that you thought this is going to happen? I think me and my dad sat down and I was like, my goal is I really want to make it the live shows. If I can just make it the live shows, which was you had to make it through battle rounds or blind battle rounds and then knockout rounds to get to live shows. And so I was like, if I can just get past those two, I would be so proud of myself. And then we ended up making it the top eight. So, But I honestly, every single time I got through, I was so surprised. (laughs) I was so, but it was, it was an awesome experience and I wouldn't change a thing about it. Did you know that you're one of two Miss Georgias to compete on uh, national shows like that? So Miss Georgia, I had her on just a couple of weeks ago. Miss Georgia USA 2006, Lisa Wilson was on American Idol. Was she really? Yeah. So you guys are, uh, apparently Georgia's a, a pretty good singing state uh, from what I can understand. <laughs> I'm telling you, I am so, I'm so pushing for, I really wish that Miss USA would have a talent competition because there's so many girls that have so many incredible, I mean, can you imagine, do you remember Shabby, the Miss New Jersey? Yes, My year, 27. 
she can dance. She, like this is it's so beautiful. Like her, she brings her culture into it, and she has this beautiful Indian dance. I would have loved to see that. I would have loved to see some singers, some dancers, and some like odd talents. I, I'm so hard pushing for that. Well, hey, with all the changes going on, who knows what's going to happen? You never know. So everybody who is listening, they they're totally jealous of you that you got to compete on The Voice and obviously be on national television. So let's dive behind the scenes a little bit and tell them what they don't see on television. What are some of the things that you you know either found cool or found surprisingly different that you weren't expecting? behind the scenes on a reality show? Oh, I think um, live shows are a lot different. But I think whenever you're, anything is pre-taped, I don't think people understand like how much time goes into those things that are pre-taped. For blind auditions, that what you see on, on TV, it's like you see like a minute, over oh, 30 second clip, like a video, people are like walking into the building, they're telling their story. That took two weeks of filming. <laughs> and then you're just walking into a random building. You're just walking around a random park and there, there was, they have sets where it's like, oh, you're pacing back and forth, and you're so nervous, but you have to act nervous because you're not going on stage at that particular moment. So a lot of it was, it just, it was so drawn out. There was so much filming. We got up early every single day, and we did hair and makeup for two hours, and then we filmed for forever. It felt like, and and so I think people don't understand how because I was there for nine months, and oh. that that it, it, it was. Okay. We'll talk about the audition process. Now, I remember uh, back in the heyday of American Idol, back when it was super huge and, and Seacrest was hosting it, um, I was hosting an event in Dallas. And at the same convention center that I was hosting the event was the Dallas auditions. And they literally filled the entire convention center with – it had to be 10,000 people. How many people were at your auditions and what was it like? Oh, man. Well, blinds, um, they had narrowed down – I think they said they had 80,000 that year. They had auditions, wow. but they had narrowed it down to the people that were auditioning at Blinds was 120. Okay. And I want to think in Atlanta, I don't even know how many people were there. It was at a convention center there in Atlanta, and there was there was a ton of people. They were everywhere. But I, they broke us off into little rooms after about like three hours of waiting in this huge, huge area. So I couldn't even tell you how many were there, but it was it was a lot. <laughs> it was a lot of people. So you made it to the, I think, the semifinals, and then uh, you finally ended up getting cut. Um, what's the feeling like? You know, what was, what did you take away from it when it was over? On that particular, on like cut days, I think that you had like a day, like on Mondays, you sang your song, all, everybody on everybody's team sang, and then Tuesday, I believe, was when like they would, you would do like different performances with your coach, and then they would start calling people that made it, made it, made it, made it. And I think that it was me and two other people. It was Josh. I know it was Josh, and it was. Oh, I can't remember the other guy's name, but it was me and two other guys, and we all had to like sing back to back. And then we got in the line, and then people voted on who to stay. And I had been in the bottom the week before and got called out, and I was so, so surprised. But I think, I don't know, every single time, I just, this last time I felt at peace about it, I kind of felt like I was going to go home, and I was really. I was kind of at peace about it. I, I had gotten farther than I really ever thought that I would. And obviously I was sad. You make friends with these people. Like you're staying in the same hotel with everybody. And that's what's sad. Like the cameras turn off and everybody runs out. And everybody's crying. They're hugging. They're like, oh, we're going to miss you. And, but it was a great experience. And, and although it was extremely sad to leave, I knew that it would end at some point. Um, and I was kind of prepared for that. Let's talk about the year after. So you spent the middle of the year following The Voice. Uh, performing in vest festivals around Georgia with a four-piece country rock band. 
Um, I believe you did mm-hmm. a, a lot of cover songs like Cher and Taylor Swift and the Eagles and Dolly Parton and others. So knowing that you were still doing it and you went on The Voice because you obviously had talent, is this something that you're still after? Is this something you still want to do? You know, I, I've you know contemplated it on and off, but I love music. I think I, we've grown up in a musical family. My dad plays, my dad sings, my sister sings, and it's something that's been a part of my life. But I found that whenever I've tried to put too much pressure on it, it ends up taking like, the fun out of it. I don't think that I would ever actively try to pursue that. I think whenever I did, it was just something that, again, like it just took the fun out of something that I love so much and I'm so passionate about. And it, now, if, if I'm singing, I'm singing at church or um, I'm singing at home, like around a fire. It's not anything where I'm where I'm trying to be like, oh, I'm going to go make it. You know, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not really doing that. So we've discovered you're really good at two things: volleyball and singing. <laughs> so where is it that you want to go with your life and your career at this point? I actually, after I finished Miss USA, I switched colleges. I went to an art school for a year, and the plan was to do fashion design and merchandising and I just I had so much anxiety and that particular degree for me just created uh, it just it made me feel like I wasn't gonna I was so unsure about the future and like am I gonna get a job when I get out of school and that I ended up at the end of the year this year changing and going to another school I'm now enrolled at Southern and I'm going to get my bachelor's in nursing um, with a double major in finance is the plan. Every college student, I, I feel like I can relate to you right now because I have changed my major <laughs> so many times. It is ridiculous. The parents are just sweating over here. But um, I feel I feel much more at peace about so, going to get my bachelor's and getting my, my finance degree because I just thought that's what I need to be doing. So is fashion design out? Are you done? I think so. I think, again, I think it's more of a hobby. I'm just, like, I think my dad passed along the creative gene and so it's something I really enjoy I love music I love painting I love drawing I love designing but I think that I want to be able to take care of myself and have a comfortable life and um, those things would be more so hobbies for me well let me let me say this and I'll just I'll go ahead and say it on the podcast it really doesn't matter I've had two people on uh, who are fashion designers uh, Candace Pelletier I'm sure you've heard that name in the pageant world for swimsuits and and she does active wear as well yeah. And then another woman by the name of Angela King. She owns a place called House of AKD. She is the queen of sports fashion. So pretty much every single professional sports cheerleading or dance team, all those uniforms are created by her. And uh, they've been incredibly successful with fashion design. You know, not like many people are. As you mentioned, it's not a business where most people go and get rich. Uh, but if it's something yeah. where I could connect you with them and, you know, maybe develop some relationships there, you never know. Because, uh, you know, while it, while it would be a great hobby, I mean, if you could make a career out of it, would you still do it? That's the question. I don't know. I, in, in my experience so far, and I'm only 22, but my experience in life so far, <laughs> everything that I've taken from a hobby to try to make to a career, it has just sucked the life out of, out of it. If nursing's the other one, you've always got your uh, Miss USA sister, Megan Gordon, from South Carolina. She's a nurse over there in Atlanta. That is right. I love Megan. Megan is the best. So let's talk a little bit about Miss USA, and in particular, let's just talk about Miss Georgia USA. What made you want to compete? Well, I had just got done with The Voice, and I was going through a little bit of a, a, little bit of a rough patch, and I think that um, coming out of that little rough patch, I made me a list of things that, like, if, if I knew I couldn't fail, what would I want to do? And um, I can't tell you what's on the list, but <laughs> Miss USA, competing at Miss USA was on, on my list. And I was like, okay, I'm going to get in an awesome shape, and I'm going to go compete. 
at Miss Georgia. Before I do that, I'm going to need to do at least one or two pageants because I've never done any before. I just trained and, and researched and, and Googled and YouTubed the hell out of everything so I could in, in some way be educated on, on the pageant world. And that's how I just kind of got there. I, I, I had no idea. When I went to Miss Georgia, I was like, I just want to make top 15. If I can make top 15, I'll be good. They just kept calling my name. And I was like, what is going on here? And so did you win your first but time out? I did. But I did a pageant before. Um, it was Miss Georgia South. And that one was very helpful. It was kind of um, the, the same kind of setup that Miss Georgia had. Um, and I placed top five. I think I got like fourth runner up. And I watched the video after that pageant. I was like, I'm like a hot mess. Like, what can I do about this? And I ended up figuring out, these girls were like, you've got to go to Thomas. you got to go to Thomas. And I was like, okay. So I go to Thomas Barnett, who is um, a pageant coach there. And he kind of goes back and forth. I think he moved to New York now. But he was incredible. Helped me with my walk. Just had me a whole plan together that I just tried to, you know, execute at Miss Georgia. And I tell Thomas all the time that he needs to have, like, me at, at Miss Georgia South and then me at Miss Georgia as his, like, promotional thing because I was a hot mess at <laughs> Miss Georgia South. And he just completely just turns it all around for Miss Georgia. So anybody who's doing pageants, I think, at least needs to talk to Thomas. Well, let's take a step back here for a second. Uh, you mentioned something that's very interesting, and that after the voice, you went through a you know we'll call it a quote rough patch. Um, I think a lot of girls mm-hmm. after they get out of pageants go through the quote unquote rough patch. How did you get through it, and what was the real motivation behind wanting to compete at Miss Georgia USA? First, I think why, why I got into it. I had never. I think one of the great things about traveling and having new experiences is it opens up your perspective, right? But I think that once your your brain has been opened up to the possibilities of what you could possibly have, I think that it, it you just kind of have a little freak out moment. It's just like, what am I going to do with my life? Am I ever going to have a moment like The Voice? Am I ever going to have a moment like Miss Georgia or Miss USA where these these just like amazing moments in your life where it's like, man, I'm so proud that happened. Am I ever going to have that again? And then you kind of you go through like an identity crisis. It's like, what am I going to do? And I, I can't. I came out of it just being like, you know what? I'm going to have an amazing experience and I'm going to have an amazing life, but I'm never going to have it if I constantly look back trying to beat past experiences. So I just made a list of things that I wanted to do, things to look forward to, things that motivated me day to day to try to to strive for instead of being like, well, that's just the coolest thing I'll ever do. And and I'll just constantly (laughs) tell stories about that time that I, you know, um, I just think I just had to, to set my eyes on something that I wanted. And then go after that. I'm, I'm actually one of the, the things that I constantly try to work on with my personality is that I, I have a very like addictive personality where I get fixated on one thing. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not fixated on anything, I'm just I'm just like a little rock. I do nothing. I just sit there and just get all in my feelings. <laughs> and it's just not good. <laughs> I have to have structure. I have to have motivation. And I, I think that was one of the things. I just had to set my sights on something that I wanted and just work for it. So pretty much before The Voice, you didn't have a true, like, this is what I'm going to do with my life. You were kind of just throwing it out there. Exactly. Uh, And I fell into The Voice. I wasn't even intentionally trying for that show. Somebody came up to me and and was like, go to this audition. So I I just felt very lost after it. I was just very um, unsure of what the future was going to look like and it was it was it was a mess for a little bit. I had I had a little pity party for about a month, you know, and then and then you move on. You got to quit. I mean, who can 
say that they did, you know, these amazing things and that they're just sitting around feeling sorry for themselves. That's just that's just a waste of life. So you have to pick yourself back up, I guess. Well, I got to tell you, it's more common than you think. So don't feel like you're, uh, you're out of the box on that one. I mean, I think it happens to, especially in the pageant world, a lot of girls. So, you know, you, you fit right in there. So let's talk a little bit about Miss USA. So you win Miss Georgia. You head to Miss USA, and uh, I, I remember going to that particular Miss USA. I mean, you were somebody that was certainly on the radar of a lot of people. You had a very unique everything about you. I mean, not only could you sing, but you had a very unique look. Um, and I was actually there for the rehearsals the day of the show sitting in the audience, and you were in the mock top five, and you actually won. <laughs> but I remember <laughs> your top five question and what you talked about on stage that day. I wish it would have been on national television, to be honest, but it wasn't, but that's all right. And it had to do with body image and being, you know, a, we'll call it quote unquote, curvier woman. Now, this obviously is a big topic these days as evidenced by the whole Miss America decision to remove swimsuit. So I want you to talk about how you dealt with the feeling of having maybe a different body type than the typical pageant competitor. It was so weird because I felt like I'd never, I'd never really looked at myself and was like, oh, I'm, I'm self-conscious about my body. It wasn't until I entered pageantry and they were like, listen, I mean, I'll be honest, whenever I did Miss Georgia, I was in the best shape. I was constantly working out. I was lifting weights. I love lifting weights. And after I won, I had somebody come up to me and they were like, listen, like, you need to lose a good bit of weight before you go to Miss USA. <laughs> and I was just kind of shocked. I was like, really? Do I do? And then I started looking around and I said, yeah, these girls, they are, they are small. I, I do know that they're small, but, but I never really, I never looked at myself and was like at, at all ashamed or disgusted in any way. I felt like, you know what? I, I love my curves. I think that there's, there's beauty in every shape. There's, I think you can, you can go from one end of the spectrum and be like, well, you know, she's being, you should fat shame her to then going and, and skinny shaming somebody else. It's just, for me, it, it never was an issue. It was an issue for other people, but for me, it really wasn't a problem that I ever looked and was like, man, I need to lose this weight if I want to be, you know, a competitive or, or be beautiful in, in, in people's eyes. I really, it just really never bothered me. So, look, I think you might, you know, have uncovered and pinpointed one of the major issues inside of pageants right now. Now, look, I'm not going to sit here and say that Miss America should have taken the swimsuit thing away. I'm totally for the swimsuit competition. I think it's a big part of beauty pageants or competitions, whatever they want to call it. But in your case, I think it's really interesting that you never looked at yourself with any kind of, you know, self-esteem issue and said, I don't like how I look. It wasn't until somebody basically judged you and said, you don't fit the typical mold of a, you know, typical USA competitor and almost made you feel like you weren't good enough. Is that about right? Yeah, but it, it too, if you if you know me, you know that I'm very, uh, I can be a little confrontational. <laughs> I can be a little combative. <laughs> so that kind of, it just kind of added, added fire to me. I really wanted, it's when somebody made comments like that, I was just like, really? Why do you think I need to lose 20 pounds? What exactly is wrong with my weight right now? What What is so offensive? What is... Because I can tell you right now that it's not, I'm not this weight or this size because I'm lazy. I work hard all the time in the gym. You just, like, it, what is it about a big butt and a bustier girl that is, is an issue? I'm just confused. And I, honestly, we had a training session, and I wouldn't say who it was, but, it, but the person lined us up. There was a group of girls. And what really made me mad was in this group of girls, there was some teenagers and he lined us up and he said, look in the mirror and I want you to tell me what's wrong with your body. And so they start, I was, I was on the end of the line. <laughs> and these girls, I mean, they had like 
they were cut. They had six packs. I mean, they were they were thin. And I just watched every single one of these girls down the line. Like she was like, I just hate the fat on the back of my arm. I just hate the back, the the cellulite on the back of my thighs. And I'm looking. There there was none. There was none. And he gets to me, and I'm without a doubt, without a doubt, the, the more you know, robust girl in the group. And I was like. I don't see anything wrong, and I'm definitely not going to be. So even if I did see something that I wanted to correct, I'm not about to say that in front of this group of women when we're all in bikinis and these teenagers. I don't think there's anything wrong with my body. <laughs> I really don't. And I, I did not think that it was appropriate that that person was asking me to like vocalize that, to look in the mirror and tell myself that. That's what you want to push. That's going to be my motivator is that I hate the way that I look instead of I want to be healthy, I want to love my body, and you want me to – you. Want, for what is going to motivate me to be self-hate. I just did not, I did not like that. I did not promote that. And me and that person have a nice little talk after that. And it never happened again. But it is, it is a problem. It is a problem in pageantry that it's something that constantly is brought up is the fact that you see the same face, the same, the same body type in pageantry. But I think that's, that, that is beginning to change a lot. But it is kind of disheartening when you have people that still have that kind of idea of what beauty should be. Well, sure. And I hate the leading question. You know, the, the question is, what do you hate about your body? I mean, you don't have any other way to, but then to just say, I, I don't like this instead of, well, actually, I love my, you know, curviness or I love my hips or I love my bust or whatever it is. I think it's really interesting that he only approached it from the negative. So that, you know, it sounds like a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader tryout or something like that. But I think <laughs> yes. what was, you know, great about your Miss USA is right there backstage, uh, you know, your uh, the backstage host was Ashley Graham, who was, a, you know, big in that, in that sort of thing right now. Did you have a chance to talk to her? I did. She actually came um, to the room with me and Allie Sutton, who was Miss Tennessee USA. And she was doing an interview. And so... Um, they didn't let us know until, like, I want to think it was, like, 30 minutes before she was coming to the room. And so me and Allie were like, okay, we got it. We get off the phone, and we are just, like, go with chaos. We're like, hide everything under the bed. Clean <laughs> up quickly. Ashley is coming. Get ready. So we were, we were extremely excited <laughs> during those 30 minutes of just really trying to clean up the room because it was a hot mess. So I think what's interesting is that body image was not your platform that year. Um, I was reading about uh, that it was basically anti-trafficking of children, uh, something that's a big passion for you. Uh, and you mentioned apparently Ashton Kutcher uh, was a big role model in that regard. Talk about why. Well, I had actually seen um, a video of him. I want to think that he was trying to um, change some legislation, but he is a huge advocate against childhood sex trafficking and i'll have to look at the video to remember exactly what he said but it was it was extremely moving and i, I want to thank him and and give me more like started at their own uh charity organization against that i think mean, just the more that i found out about how often it happens and how often it happens in the united states it, it blew my mind i think that that is something that people are, are, are still becoming aware of and, and still trying to still trying to end that but uh I hope that in, in some way I brought a little bit of light to that. But it's something that I, I need to educate myself more on constantly and, and do more about. Yeah, and I looked back at your reign. I mean, it looks like you really, really enjoyed being around children when you went to visit, you know, schools and things like that. Absolutely. I, listen, I love kids. I always tell mom that I'm probably going to have like 13. Um, <laughs> That's a ton. <laughs> no, <laughs> You're going to be like the Duggars. Yeah, I'm going to be, yeah, hold out for the reality TV shows. It's going to be me and my, you know, 20 kids. 
<laughs> so uh, during the Miss USA competition, we mentioned earlier that you were you really wanted to go into fashion design. I, I was told that you actually designed your own dress, um, which was a big hit at Miss USA. Talk about how that kind of occurred. I did. I um, Sherry Hill was she was so gracious to let me like I brought in like all these sketches and like, listen, this is what I want. This is the color. This is the shape. Um, I had actually looked at. Uh, what was that gown? I want to think that it was it was a year that Miss Columbia had won Miss Universe, and she was in like a silver gown, and it was like there was lines on the bottom. They were all beaded, and it was just gorgeous. It just elongated her body. I was like, I need that bottom, but I want the top <laughs> to be like super feminine and like flowers everywhere. But what people don't know is that that dress had sleeves. It had long sleeves. And when I tried the dress on, I was like, I don't like the sleeves. And I just went to the room and just started cutting. And mom was freaking out. She was like, this is like, I don't even want to say how much that dress was. But I was like, I'm just going to cut the sleeves off. <laughs> and, and it worked. I just cut little flowers out. Like, and they just ended up just dangling, dangling down. I probably should have put a little more thought into cutting the sleeves off. But Apparently, well. <laughs> it was very good. I actually uh, saw Road to Miss USA yesterday posted. You know they, you know how they do the, the dress comparisons? They're like, Georgia mm-hmm. versus Tennessee. Who do you like better? Um, you got a ton of votes. Oh, so yeah. apparently you did a good job. Oh, thanks. Yeah, so look, you were not a what we'll call a legacy pageant contestant. It's not something you grew up from five years old saying, I'm going to be in pageants and pageants and pageants. It's something that you just kind of jumped into later in life. As you look back on your experience, which was only about, you know, what, two years, what do mm-hmm. you take away from it, good and bad? It was a year of, of definitely a lot of growth. Um, just because whenever you're sitting there and you're thinking like, okay, how do I want to present myself? And, and you stop saying, okay, how do I want to present myself? More so, like, who am I? Like, what, are the, what are the good traits about me? What do I want to promote? I think you do a lot of self-discovery in, in that. And it's a hard process. And it's a process when you're constantly questioning yourself. And I think going through that and coming out on the other side, I think you, you come out with a lot more confidence. Hopefully, hopefully the experience provides a lot more confidence. And that's what it kind of did for me. I think, too, I'm so grateful for my experience with the voice because I think it prepared me a whole lot more for the ending of the whole pageant process. I was I, I just didn't have that same reaction that I had at, at the voice where I was just really unsure and, and really trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. I really just was like, man, that I'm really appreciative for this experience and now I'm ready to move on. I didn't really go through that period of just like, oh God, what am I going to do? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, um, sure. But it was hard though, honestly, man, because I mean, I didn't make the top 10, you know, they did a top 10 that year and um, I didn't make the, I didn't make the cut, but it, it, my initial reaction like on stage was like, man, like, I'm, I'm disappointed. And I got back to the, oh Lord. If, I, if you ask Allie Sutton anything about that night, like we literally tear up because Allie is like one of the greatest things that has, has come out of pageantry is the friendships and especially Allie Sutton. And it was, I think I had a lot easier time dealing with the fact that, you know, I didn't, I didn't make the top 10. I didn't go as far as I wanted to because the second that Allie got called, she like turned around and we're looking at each other and she's like, I love you. I was like, I love you too. And so I had somebody to cheer for back, you know, in, in the dressing room. So that made it a lot easier. And, um, but it did, it did, it stung a little bit, but I quickly moved on. <laughs> well, I, look, I think anytime you go and, you know, there's of course all the talk beforehand, you know, everybody has their predictions about who's going to be in the 15 or the 10 or whatever they decide to do that year. 
Um, I, I know that you were definitely in that conversation. So, I, yeah, I'm sure it was disappointing. But as you walk away from it, would you call Miss USA a, a very positive experience or, you know, was it negative? I mean, I know you faced a little scrutiny for what you what we had talked about earlier. So uh, as you walk away from it, good or bad? I think overall are really good experiences. I would change a few things. I think uh, there, was, there was a good bit of drama just, um, you know, with different sponsors and, 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 and things like that that I just wouldn't get into. And I think that some people really need to, to check how they, how they speak to young girls and how they speak to women in general, um, especially in the pageant arena, that um, I would really love to change. But um, overall, I think the people that my, my director, Ken, Allie Sutton, anybody that I met at MUO up there, they, they were incredible. And, and you could tell they had great intentions. So I, I wouldn't honestly changed anything about it. The experience at Miss USA, it was overall a really great experience. The girls, everything was amazing. Of course, it's a competition, so it's going to be disappointing if you don't make it as far as you want. But um, yeah, overall, I would say great. So are you done with pageants? Or are you going to continue in uh, either coaching or helping people or just being involved in the world in any way? Well, I do actually, um, I wouldn't say coaching. Like if, if a girl contacts me on Instagram, she's like, you want it wants advice or I've had a few girls come over and we do walk and stuff or interview stuff. I, I, I really enjoy doing that. I think that what I really would love for every girl approaching a pageant is to not think about, oh, okay, I really want to please these judges. What can I do? What answers are the right answers? I really wish that people would approach it. Let me do as much self-discovery as I possibly can and let me present that person to them. I'm not going to sit here and try to figure out what you like or what your opinions are. I really want to kind of delve into what mine are and then just share that. I think when you stop trying to people please, it's so much more authentic and overall just better. <laughs> well, I, look, I think that's a great point because I've talked to quite a few girls like yourself who the first time they went out, they won. And it, a lot of times it's because they had no coach, they had no preparation, they just kind of were themselves. What do you think it was for you when you sat in front of the judges that they were like, I like this girl? Well, I will say, I think I do a lot better one-on-one um, -on -one interview, and that's what it was at Miss Georgia. There was no panel, so I sat down. It, I was very relaxed. At Miss USA, there was two panels um, split. You went there for a short time, and you went to the other one for a short time. And I definitely was a lot more nervous. <laughs> and I think, too, and I can honestly say this, when I, whenever I was backstage watching the top three and the top five answer their questions on stage I like looked at another girl and I was like girl they are so well spoken I don't think that if I was in that position I can honestly say I don't think that I would have been as, 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 as well spoken I wouldn't have been able to articulate my opinions that well I, I just was not prepared for that I don't think I didn't I should have put more time into that more time into interview out and when I was in it I thought that I was but in hindsight I could have done so much more. Number one, I love how authentic you are. Number two, I love that Southern Belle voice of yours. It's absolutely beautiful, and I'm sure it's one of the reasons that people you know, fall in love with you for, for many reasons. Um, but, I, look, I appreciate you sharing your experiences about the voice because I know there are a lot of girls uh, that I personally deal with that you know, have thought about auditioning for some sort of reality show or maybe a music show or something like that. And uh, just hearing your experience probably will motivate them, number one, and two, you know, give them some hope that it's possible. And so uh, I just want I appreciate you coming on today and talking about that. And of course, your Miss USA experiences. And uh, I always like to do this uh, at the end of every podcast is because, you know, this whole life after the crown community is a network. This is about women empowering women after pageants are over. And so if somebody wants to reach out to you, 
or you know talk to you or maybe just get some advice based on what they heard on this podcast is there a way that they can do that absolutely my instagram i usually reply to every single message on um my instagram unless they're creepy if they're creepy <laughs> they will be blocked <laughs> very quickly <laughs> otherwise that like i i usually always answer on like dms the messages in in my um instagram what is your instagram it's deanna johnson 23 23. Okay. Well, hey, Deanna, thanks so much for the time today. You're awesome. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. That is today's episode. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. And do me a favor, subscribe to the podcast. You can do so on Spotify, uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, the podcast app, Google Play, or you can just go to lifeafterthecrown.com. And by the way, if you're still involved in the pageant world and you're wondering, well, what is Life After the Crown going to look like for me and how do I prepare for it? Well, I highly encourage you to download my free Life After the Crown starter guide. It's a quick read. It's going to give you a great blueprint on how to start planning now and not when it's all over. So to get it, just go to timtialdo.com slash starter guide and you can get it there for free. And for weekly podcast updates, don't forget to follow me on Instagram at timtialdo. Until next time, remember the words of Proverbs 3. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure everything out on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Make it a great week, everybody. Everybody.